The message today comes from Ephesians 2, uh, 12 through 22. And it says, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the, by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, and that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you, who, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for, for God by the Spirit. Uh, once again, good morning, everybody. Um, Yes, Pastor Susong is not here. I will be uh, bringing the word to you this morning, and certainly a privilege to be able to do that. Um, <clears throat> I'm also going to be popping cough drops <laughs> uh, during the message here and there, so uh, please excuse and, and try not to get distracted by that. Um, we're also going to be doing communion today, and so um, yeah, really looking forward to what the Lord has in store for us um, this morning. We're talking about, the title for today's message is Hope for the Homesick. And um, so you can kind of get somewhat of an idea about what we're going to be talking about. Um, This past spring break, my family, we got to go to, um, for the first time uh, on vacation to Hawaii. And... um, Uh, You know, of course, we're really excited, super excited about being able to go and, um, you know, the weeks leading up to, we're planning and scheduling, researching, going on the internet, seeing, you know, what to do, you know, on this island and whatnot. And, um, you know, of course, when we get there, uh, you know, it was just, it didn't disappoint. Absolutely beautiful, stunning. Um, we got to see and do things that we never, you know, got to experience before. So that was a real treat. Um, and yet, there was something kind of weird that happened while we were there. Um, despite the fact that, you know, we're there surrounded uh, by these beautiful beaches and palm trees and exotic, you know, wildlife and fish and you know, crystal blue water and volcanoes and green mountains. 
like you know something straight out of like Jurassic Park or something, right? This magnificent scenery. <coughs> um, despite all of that, I found myself wanting to just go back home. <laughs> um, the comforts of home, you know. Anyone late with that? You know, you go somewhere on vacation, and after a while, you're like, oh, I'm kind of just want to kind of go home, snuggle up on my couch or on my bed, and my favorite throw rug or whatever, and get in my you know sweats and just kind of you know cuddle cuddle up and, and be home. Um, you know, this is strange because you know we'd never gone to Hawaii before, and so you would think that man, you know, we want to stay there forever, but, um, you know, yeah, we, this is something that we, you know, had been dreaming about, our kids, you know, so excited to do, and yet um, there we were after a few days, and we're finding ourselves, you know, missing the comforts of home. Of course, we enjoyed Hawaii and everything that we did, but at the same time, it was weird that we were experiencing this, like, conflict of, like, oh, I, you know, miss the comforts of home and, and getting to eat, you know, the normal food that we eat instead of, you know, having to always figure out what you're going to eat, and eating just, you know, different food. It's good, but it's still different, right? There's nothing like home. And, you know, there is a word in the English language for this phenomenon, right? It's called homesickness, right? Um, we have a bunch of college guys coming back from college, and uh, you guys might remember your freshman year, right? That first week, feeling a little weird, like, man, my parents actually left me. Um, and, and was that a smile on their face when they left? I, I can't tell. Uh, you know, and, but nowadays, you know, you guys are older, some of you guys at least, and, and now maybe you're, you're homesick for college when you come back to San Jose. But whatever the case may be, uh, there's this thing, this, this thing we called homesickness. Um, and homesickness is something that people all around the world can relate to, right? Um, there are even famous songs about it. You guys know Michael Bublé, right? Um, the guys are like, uh, the girls are like, yeah. Um, if, you know, even if you don't know who this guy is, uh, he's, a, he's a talented singer. Um, chances are at least you've heard some of his songs because they're, they're everywhere. And if, you, if you've gone to a wedding, you've heard them. If you've gone to a mall, you've heard them, okay? If you've stepped in an elevator, you've heard it, right? Um, there's this one song he, he uh, sings titled Home. And let me just read for you uh, a couple of the lines. And I think, oops, yeah. <clears throat> so feel free to sing along if, if you want. <laughs> um, it goes like this. Another summer day is come and gone away in Paris and Rome. But I want to go home. Mm-hmm. Maybe surrounded by a million people, I still feel all alone. I just want to go home. Another aeroplane. I think Bublé's Canadian, right? So I think that's how Canadians say airplane. Aeroplane, a boat, yeah. Another aeroplane, another sunny place, because you know, he's famous and successful, so he gets to fly on aeroplanes to sunny places. I'm lucky, I know, but... Still, I want to go home. Mm. I've got to go home. What the song is expressing is what my family experienced and what maybe you have experienced at some different junctures in your life where, yeah, where I am is kind of cool and exciting, but you know what? There's nothing quite like home, right? 
And so this is point number one for today. We human beings, we have this innate need and desire for home. Um, in today's passage, <clears throat> the Bible describes us as a people who were previously aliens and strangers. In other words, not, you know, without a home, right? Strangers and aliens mean you're like, you're without a home or you're outside of the home. We are strangers and aliens to the household of God. And how then in Christ, we are now being brought into and built into a home for God. So we have all this imagery of home and dwelling and separation and alien. And alien is, I mean, you know, that's like the opposite word of home, right? So look at verse 19 and 22 and just see some of the words that we see there. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, which means you at one time were, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And then we go down to 22. In him you were also being built together into a what? A dwelling place for God. So this idea of you know, household and being apart from the house, being outside of the house and feeling alien and strange, it's a very biblical idea. And it's not just here in Ephesians. We see it all throughout the Bible, um, Old Testament and New Testament. Um, another example, the Bible talks about how even Jesus, the Son of God himself, who lacks nothing, but even he, you know, in his character, but even he needed a place to rest his head. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 20, Jesus says, foxes have dens, like holes, they have dens. Birds of the air, they have their nests. But the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, has nowhere to lay his head. He's longing for home, right? He's longing for someone to, somewhere to lay his head, to rest, comfort. So if we understand that you and I are created in God's image, then it follows that if God is looking, you know, for a place to rest his head, then we also are looking for a place to rest our head. We also are looking for a home because even Jesus himself was and we are created in his image, right? Does that make sense? So as image bearers of Yahweh, I'm going to start using that word now because God has become kind of uh, a generic word, okay? And so um, by God, it could be ambiguous. It could mean many different gods. So in our polytheistic world, I'm going to say Yahweh, which is his personal name, uh, the God that we worship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so Yahweh, um, we as image bearers of Yahweh, we are created to also want a home. So what is a home? Let's kind of talk about this. What's a home? Is home a building? Is home a physical structure? Um, Verse 22, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So there is a word built there, but what is the material? You, us. And so, lest I check, we're not, you know, two by fours or, you know, drywall. We are walking, talking people, you know, with, with minds and, and dreams and hearts. It's like we are the dwelling place. We are the house. And so... 
When the Bible talks about um, home or a household, what it's talking about is not necessarily a building or a structure, but it's talking about you. It's talking about your relationships that you have. It's talking about the relationships that you have uh, with each other and uh, of main priority with God. So think about this. What makes our home a home? It's not the building, but it's the relationships that happen inside the building, isn't it? Right? Um, let's say you have a magnificent home, you know, like 5,000 square feet and marble countertops and marble floors. But every relationship that's in that house with your wife or your housemates, your roommates, it's just like, uh, you know, it makes you want to vomit every time you see the person. Does that sound like a home that you want to be a part of? Probably not. You might want to kick those people out and, you know, bring some other people that you get along with into that home. But the point being, it's not the structure that makes it a home. It's the quality of the relationships, right, that make home home. <clears throat> So, to kind of illustrate this, um, I found this video, and you guys have probably, I'm guessing, seen a variation of this video. Um, it's a video about, uh, it's only a minute long, very short, and it's one of these videos where it's like a, a military, a parent who serves in the military, who is then, uh, you know, surprises there and reunited with um, a family member, in this case, um, well, I'll leave it to, to you to discover. Notice uh, in that video, there, there was only one word spoken, right? Mom! And he runs, sees his mom, and he runs around the table and embraces, falls into the arms of his mom. I don't know why it still affects me. I, all week I've been watching this video. <laughs> preparing for this message, right? But isn't, I think when we watch a video like this, not only does it show, show us something about the people in the video, I think it reveals something about the people who watch the video and our reaction to what we see. You know, I said there was only one word spoken in that video. Actually, there were two. One was mom, and then the hug, and then the second was aww. Do you hear that, right? I don't know that those kids even know his situation, sitting at the tables there in the cafeteria. And yet, as soon as they see him run and fall into the arms of his mom, whom he hasn't seen in for who knows how long, everybody understands here what's going on. Enough to be able to say, aw, and clap their hands. What, what is that? Why, why, why do we do that? Why didn't they like go like this? You know, why is it, why do they, like, why does it elicit this response of, wow, and maybe tears and this like filling of your chest, right? As you watch some of you, maybe like a little lump here and you want to clap your hands. What is that? That is what you're experiencing there is the physical effects of being created in the image of God who longs to be with us and to be in community and relationship and in love. And so when you see that happen in real 
in a real situation, it's like a tuning fork. You're like, what's happening? Why am I crying? You know, and we see like these kids who maybe they don't, they don't even know. Like, I saw that one kid, the little chubby kid, he kind of looked hard and then he's like. <laughs> it, it, you know, this, this longing for belonging and home, it unites all of us because we're all created. And it makes sense, doesn't it? Because we're all created in the same image of Yahweh. Um, you know, another thing about this video, you know, I think I, I put myself in the shoes of the boy and, you know, his mom serves in the military. She's out somewhere. He probably doesn't even know, you know, where she is maybe. Uh, maybe he does. Maybe she, he doesn't. Uh, maybe he doesn't even know when she's going to come back. Obviously, you know, he, in this case, he doesn't. Maybe because she's on active duty, a tour of duty, he doesn't even know, like, is she going to come back? And if she comes back, is she going to come back in a casket? Or is she going to come back, like, whole? Right? I think for those of us who don't have, you know, family members or friends who serve directly in the military, that whole reality is not even, like, it's lost upon us. We don't even think about it. But there are thousands, literally tens of thousands of people and families right now who every night they wonder if one of their loved ones is going to get blown up. And so this son, this little boy, every night, who knows, maybe he's praying, he's hoping, just bring my mom back. Whoever's up there, if you, God, if you're real, bring my mom back. And he's praying, and this is his longing and who knows how long he's been longing and, and hoping this for his mom, his home, to come back. And then one morning, he wakes up, goes to school, another day at school, and then this vision. It's like, is this my mom sitting in front of me? Can you imagine the fulfillment of that longing, that delayed yearning that he's had, and now it's fulfilled? I think this is how God feels when he sees you. There's a delayed longing. He's left us, right? Jesus incarnate has left us. He ascended, but in his place, he sent the Holy Spirit. He didn't leave us alone. And yet there is a longing. And I think as much as this boy gets so happy to see his mom, how much more will the Father be joyful and run? And we even have a story in Luke about that, don't we? The prodigal son, the father who runs when he sees his son, whom he thought was dead and is now alive. That's how he sees you. That's how he sees me. Do we see God that way? When we see God, do we go, Dad! Do we run to him? Or do, when we see God, do we go like, oh, yeah. Hi, Dad. Long time no see. <laughs> and even if we're like that, you know what's crazy? God says, come here. Come here. And he just wraps you in his arms and he says, come here. And he melts all of that awkwardness and all of that distance and all of that time and all of that shame and all of that 
um, sin that you feel, and he just absorbs it. He says, come here, my child. <clears throat> this is a deep desire that resonates with every individual in every part of the world in any period of history. It doesn't matter if you were born 2,000 years ago, now, or 2,000 years into the future. It doesn't matter. We're always, as human beings, because of the image of God, we're going to have this longing for home and belonging and community inside of us. All of us need these relationships that feel like home. And yet, and this is point number two, and yet we are living in this world where we often feel a profound sense of homelessness. Right? We have this longing for home, but how many of you can honestly look in the mirror and say, I feel like I'm at home all the time? Right? How many of you can honestly say, I feel like my life is as it should be, the world is as it should be, my relationships are as they should be, I have my longing for this just wholeness and peace in the world is, is fulfilled, uh, my longing for just the absence of any kind of threat or danger to my loved ones or to myself or anybody for that matter is fulfilled. None of us can say that. And so we're homeless. We long for that kind of a home, but we can't achieve it. We can't accomplish it. We can't obtain it. And so there's this deep conflict and anxiety that that produces, right? We're homeless, but he's bringing us home. That's point number two. Look at verse 12, um, 12, 13. I'm going to write that, 12, 13, 14, 19. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, actually, if, if you don't mind, you know, get your Bibles out because I'll be going around here and there um, and I think it'll be helpful. In verse 12, it says, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise. Do you see those words? We're separated, we're alienated, we're strangers. Does that sound like homelessness, right? Um, having no hope without God in the world. I mean, that says it right there. I mean, that says it all. We're, we're without God in the world. Well, no wonder we feel this way without God in this world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off, right, have been brought near, um, there was... In his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility that was broken down, this dividing wall of hostility. Again, another image of separation and, and, and alienation, discomfort, not being at home. And later in verse 19, uh, you are no longer strangers and aliens. What does that mean? That at one time you were a stranger and alien, right? At one time you were. You're no longer strangers, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And so we have all of these, these images and words and descriptors of, that communicate this homelessness. And I think you know, all of us can relate to that for sure um, as we think about different things 
aspects of our lives that we're just not satisfied with. We're not happy with this thing in our life or that thing in our life or this relationship or that relationship. Things are not as they should be. I don't feel at home. On a bigger level, you know, um, look at our country, okay, and just the generations that um, are growing up and, and, and uh, you know, just the, the, the sign of the times these days. Um, you know, as a pastor, I, I have to think about these things because, you know, you guys are in the world and, and dealing with things, and, and we have to understand what it is to, to be um, a, a person, a citizen, um, you know, not of the world, but in the world, right? And so, um, you know, we, if you ever wanted to know you know, what any given society longs for. If you really want to know um, what a given, you know, civilization really pursues and chases, a good place to start looking would be to look at its media and the popular media. For us these days, that's like, you know, um, your social media, your movies, your TV shows, your news shows, um, radio talk shows, your magazines, um, pop songs, right? And so as we look at these forms of popular media, you can start to get a picture of what that society is longing for, what it's wanting and lacking and thus trying to fill. And so when you think about uh, you know, America and you look at all these different you know, forms of media, the thing that, for one of the things that comes to mind when I look at this, I see a pattern is everyone's looking for some sort, some form of belonging, right? Some form of like, that's, that's my group and I belong to that group. Another word for home, right? People are looking for a home. Um, how many times, right? Think about this. How many times have you seen a movie where the plot goes like this? There's a huge, catastrophic problem that the world faces, right? I tried to do that movie preview you know, voice, but I, I can't really do it. Um, but it'd be so cool if I could. There's a huge catastrophic problem that the world is facing. And then what, what are we going to do? We form and assemble this ragtag uh, team of outcasts and, and broken people, people who are alienated and, and rejected by society or they're broken in some way, right? And so uh, this team, this motley crew, as they try to figure out this problem and solve it and, and, you know, and you know, save the world or whatnot, what happens? In the process, they, they learn, uh, they gain this sense of community and love and belonging and uh, redemption. And then at the end of the movie, uh, the characters that we're supposed to care about, they come out at the other end um, redeemed, having taken a step of growth and become more mature and, and you like them even more, right? Sound like a movie you've watched maybe 30 times, <laughs> but different titles, different characters, right? Why is it that we can make that same movie over and over and over again and we still go in droves to watch it? Because it's this universal, it appeals to this, it's a story about this universal uh, need for belonging, to have this team, this family, uh, to be home. And so we look at 
popular media, movies, things like that, songs like you know quoted at the start of today, and we see that there is a real uh, profound sense of a lack of this belonging. And we want to you know kind of think about where did this even come from? Why is it like this? And you know this is just one theory that um, I see, and I, you know a lot of sociologists have probably um, said the same thing. Um, that start, you know, one of the um, fundamental sources of belongings that, that human beings um, are supposed to, um, you know, draw from is the family, is the marriage. But starting in the 1970s, at least here in America, the marriage and the family has kind of been unanchored and unmoored and dislodged from its place, its central role in society. And this is... Um, you know, partly due to the sexual revolution, um, which I think is just a nice way of saying uh, damage caused by using sex in a way that Yahweh warned us against a long time ago. <laughs> that's, that's what the sexual revolution is, right? That's really what it is. Using sex in ways that Yahweh did not intend, and thus it causes damage. And so you have broken marriages and broken families. And by the way... You don't have to have a legal divorce to be a broken. You can be legally still married and legally still a family and still be a very broken family, be a very broken marriage. Right? So lest anyone cast any stones, um, brokenness does not discriminate. And so as a result of these broken marriages, the primary source of belonging, the family, has been compromised. But that's exactly where we're supposed to learn and enjoy and be nurtured um, within. That's the gift of, that God gave to us, the family, the marriage. Marriage is a picture of our relationship, Christ's relationship with the church. And if that's broken, how do you think we as a church are going to you know, fare? Not very well. Well, the same thing applies to marriages between men and women the same thing. The sense of belonging is absolutely essential to our emotional and spiritual health at every stage of life. For infants, you know, if infants, I learned this from my uh, wife, um, who's a, you know, a marriage family a therapist, if infants do not get the sense of belonging from their mom and dad, they grow up with attachment disorders, which then affect, you know, they have a very negative effect on the rest of their lives. Or as a young child, or as an adolescent. You guys remember that when you were an adolescent? Maybe it's not too long ago for some of you. Not having that sense of belonging and the pain that caused, right? And the things that it made you do that later on you regretted. This sense of belonging is not just for adolescents or young people. It's for adults and it's for senior citizens as well. Everyone wants to belong. Everyone wants home. We're built for this. And yet the world offers all these ideas of how to fill that. And you and I both know that the more we try to fill that longing with something in the world, the more we realize, you know, give it time, where, man, this is just not cutting it. It still does not satisfy my desires. I'm still unhappy. The reason for that is this. 
you're still unhappy because you're built for something else. As a human being, you're built for eternity, not for temporality. And what I mean by that is you're built to love eternally and you're built to be loved eternally. Now, let me ask you this. When was the last time you met somebody here on earth who had the ability, the capacity to love you eternally? <laughs> let me flip that around. Do you love eternally all the time? Probably not. I know I don't. And so we need to be in this home as being in a relationship with someone who is capable of creating, like creating eternal love. You and I cannot create eternal love. You and I cannot go to like, you know, some, you know, Michaels and, and buy things to make creative love. We can't go to, you know, Walmart and buy a chemistry set and create eternal love. The only way, we, can, we can't make a political system that creates eternal love. We've tried and we failed over and over and over again. Whether you're on the right or on the left or anywhere in between, right? No matter what we try, we cannot create eternal love. There's only one who can create eternal love. And it's when we are in relationship with that one from whom eternal love flows that you can find complete satisfaction and happiness. There is no other way. But how ironic is it that the very one that can provide that longing and that fill that longing that we have is the very one that we reject all the time? It's like we hate ourselves, right? Like we hate ourselves. Why would we do that? There's the answer, and yet we, we reject. We left our relationship with, with Yahweh, didn't we? And as a result, because he is the home that we were meant to be, when we reject Yahweh, we rejected our home. Let me say that again. When you reject Yahweh, you reject your home. And so we see many ways in which this happens. Look at uh, Ephesians chapter 2, the, um, the chapter we're in earlier, verses 1 through 3. If you have your Bibles, look there. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. Again, following the course of what world? God's, Yahweh's world or this world? This world. Following the prince of the power of the air. That's just another uh, name for Satan. So instead of following God, the source of eternal love and, and blessing and joy and peace, we're following the prince of darkness. We follow the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, which is an old Greek word for our sinful nature, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. We continue to dwell in ways that reject Yahweh. And in so doing, we are losing our home, and we no longer know the way back. We can't get back. But here's where the new good news comes. We've rejected Yahweh, 
We've said, we don't want to live in your house anymore. We don't want to live by your rules anymore. We know better. We want to, we want to live by our rules now. And Yahweh sends his son. And Jesus goes out into the world. He leaves his home, goes out into the world as a stranger and alien. And his number one goal is to find you and to bring you back home. His number one goal is to find you and to bring you home. Is that good news? Is that good news? Amen? We didn't know the way back. And Jesus showed us the way back. He paved the way back. He is the way back. Look at verse 4 and verse 5 in chapter 2. Um, if you have your Bibles, could you read that with me? Ready? Verse 4 and verse 5, chapter 2. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. We rejected him, and he sought you out and brought you home. I want to read um, all together since we're all reading our Bibles. 18 through 22. And I want you to read that with me as well. Ready? For through him we both have access in one spirit to who? The Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. You're no longer the, the one who has rejected him. You no longer have to live in with the results and the fruits of what you chose and your decisions. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are, what? Fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Um, let me share a story here. Uh, back when Christy and I were dating, uh, my wife and I, we had this moment that changed my life. And, you know, a lot of times... Um, you know, when you meet somebody, at some point the question comes, so how did you guys meet? And then the, the next, you know, inevitably, the next question will be, you know, something like, well, how did you know, you know, that she was the one, he was the one? And uh, for me, this is the story of how that happened, how I knew that she was the one. We were, um, I was working here as a youth pastor in San Jose at this church. She was working here as a children's ministry director um, at this church. And we were, you know, dating but um, because we didn't want the pressure from the church, we didn't really tell the whole church. We just told like the senior pastor and um, Susung and Grace, actually, they were here. We told them. So we told some people for accountability and for prayer. But um, because we were here and because, you know, it could have been awkward being at the same church and, you know, we didn't want that. I just avoided holding her hand. I never like put my arm around her, you know, her shoulders, you know, in public because I just didn't want... Um, 
that pressure, you know? And like some of you guys were actually here at the time, like Joseph and Nathan. I don't know, you guys, you guys were clueless. That's because I didn't show any affection to Christy when I was in San Jose. You know, that's probably, you probably like that, right? Um, and so here we were, and Christy's thinking, does he like me? <laughs> you know, like he doesn't want to touch me, like he doesn't want to hold my hand. We go to SoCal to visit her, uh, to, to meet her parents, actually. And, um, and it was for, you know, her dad's birthday, you know, was, was, you know, at the same time. So we decided to go to Barnes and Nobles to buy a book for him as a gift. And it's a strip mall. And so we're there in the parking lot in SoCal, you know, 300 miles from here, from home. And um, the, the sky is, like, clear, which is crazy because it's, you know, SoCal. But the sky was clear that night, and you could see the stars. The sky was black. We're walking, you know, hand in hand, because I feel like, oh, now that I'm in SoCal, nobody can see, you know, that we're holding hands. And, we're, and, and so uh, we're holding, and we're walking to Barnes and & Nobles, and as I'm looking up at the stars and the sky, I realize, here I am, 300 miles from home, but I feel more at home here, standing next to this woman, holding her hand. And I realized I could be anywhere in the world right now, and as long as I'm next to Christy, right, my wife, or, you know, my, this woman, um, I'm home. I'm home. I share that story because I think that's just a, a small picture of how Yahweh feels about you. Because look at verse 22. This is not just my like, oh, go home and feel good about yourself. <laughs> this is verse 22. You are also being built together into a dwelling place for God. Notice, it doesn't say that God is our dwelling place, which he is. It says that what? You are the dwelling place for who? God. When God sees you in Christ, you are his home. You are his home. We are his home. Think about that. And so this draws us to a close. You know, this summer, um, you guys probably going to go all over the world. This is a season of tourism, right? Summer. And imagine, you know, the different places all around the world, Buckingham Palace, Taj Mahal, different castles. What makes a palace or a castle, you know, uh, what makes a building a palace? A king, right? Royalty, king and queen. That's what makes it a palace, right? And so think about this. In John chapter 14, oh, where did our guy go? John 14, look what Jesus says. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also and you know the way to where I am going. In my Father's house are many rooms. The Father, Yahweh, He is the King. 
His house is the palace because he is a king. Wherever he is, that's the palace. And his home is with you. You live in the palace. You live in something better than the Taj Mahal, better than Buckingham Palace, better than Hearst Castle. You live in Yahweh, and Yahweh lives in you. Yahweh lives in you. And here's the last point. If Yahweh would do such a thing for you who rejected him, and now he has secured by his blood, by his sacrifice, he has secured, even prepared a place for you in his palace. That should not be enough for you. What he wants us to now do is to go out and share that good news and invite others into the palace. Others just like you. Others just like me. Having our own personal room in the palace of the Father should not be enough. If we have the heart of Jesus, if we belong to Jesus and he belongs to us, we now go out and invite people into his house and give hope to those who are homesick. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you have done this for us, that you have opened your home for us, that you have not only opened your home in your house, but you actually see us as your home. We are your dwelling place. We are being built into a dwelling place for you by the Holy Spirit. We thank you for this. And we also now don't want to just be happy with our own place in your family, in your household, as a member of your household, as Ephesians 2 says, but we want to now go and invite others into this house too. Others who were just as homesick as we once were. Others who need to hear this good news. And we love them so much that we can't help but to invite them. Thank you, Lord. Amen.